Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yay! This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I am Greg Tito. I'm Shelly Mazenoble. <laughs> you did not want to participate in my sing song. No, I. Well, not I. Only for our listeners, I wasn't going to. I just. It's always interesting because you never really know what Greg Tito you're going to get for this introduction. That's right. It's always going to be different. It's, it's like D&D. You just never know what you're signing up for here. You never know what you're going to no. get. No. Well, we know what we're going to get with today's episode because yeah. we yes. have two amazing writers, narrative designers, uh, extraordinaire, Justice R. Mon and Felice Kwan, two contributors to Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel. Yes. They talk about their adventures, their adventures in working together, as well as the differences between writing for video games while writing for uh, the protagonists not being a part of your writing, uh, which is very different. Um, fascinating conversations. Yeah, all good stuff. And what, what a fun, exciting book. I'm excited for us to dig into it a little bit more. For sure. We'll be doing yeah. more. Um, you may have seen the announcement. It is uh, going to be released now on July 19th everywhere. Uh, so look for it there. you got a few extra weeks to catch up with uh, some of these writers and their inspirations for these stories. And we'll be doing some of them up here on the Dragon Talks as well as on the D&D websites. Get excited. And maybe even on D&D Beyond. I've maybe. heard. Oh. I've heard they're cool over there. Yeah. Over there is now like over here. It's over here. Yeah. It's in the and same here location. Yes, the same multiverse. Well, before we get to that awesome interview, we do have someone who is near and dear to this podcast. Yes. Who we can literally say <laughs> <laughs> It's a sneeze. Hello, Mr. Sneeze. Come on. Hello. You know, okay, speaking of sneezes, this person that we're interviewing, their sneeze actually sounds like they are sneezing and blessing themselves at the same time. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny because I noticed it this weekend and I your sneeze actually sounds like you are sneezing and ble- okay, bless. Okay. It. It, it, it's like, like <laughs> bless you. <laughs> well, maybe that's from his Chicago Midwestern upbringing. Maybe it's his asthma. <laughs> we are, of course, talking about Bart oh Carroll, God. who uh, longtime listeners of Dragon Talk may uh, recognize <laughs> as the progenitor of, of this here Talk of the Dragons. It is true. Uh, as well as uh, a roommate. <laughs> My roommate, Bart Carroll. <laughs> yes. Um, you may notice that my child bears a striking resemblance to him, some people might say. Weird. As well as the character from uh, the Essentials Kit. Uh, Aww. No, no relation at all. Quinn Hightopple. Very excited to talk to Bart. So let's, uh, let's get him uh, for an insight check here. Let's see if he's being truthful. Oh, I've always wanted to know. <laughs> we'll do the lie detector test. Tell me.
Welcome to another segment of Insight Check. Yay. Yes, Bart Carroll. We are so excited for you to be here. Yay. Uh, yes. What have you people done with my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> we ruined it. We destroyed it. We don't, don't have know. your calm intros anymore. For the longtime listeners, we remember your very radio voice. It was yeah. true. Yeah, that was a while ago. That was back in the days. No, it's like when Lando sees the Millennium Falcon coming back to him, except it's much better and flies more regularly. <laughs> in this scenario, is, I'm Chewie and Shelly is Han Solo, right? I feel her, much more saying. comfortable as Chewie. <laughs> <laughs> right? Much more it. comfortable. I'll definitely. take it. <laughs> yeah. Or C-3PO. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, so for those who don't know, Bart, uh, Carol, what do you do at Wizards of the Coast? You are a... I you am call a... My official title is Senior Digital Marketing Manager. So I do a lot of the uh, online marketing for these days Dungeons and Dragons, which is super awesome. Uh, so a lot of it is working on the website, working on uh, Dragon Plus. And then I've been there for a while, so... Over the years, the duties have varied from um, working on helping uh, stand up our, our live streaming channel back in the day, uh, working on um, Extra Life, our philanthropic efforts back in the day. Uh, all these things were really great to work on and, and uh, have been fun, but also working on the uh, D&D podcast when it was just a thought and an idea in, uh, in the brand team's mind. I'm going to roll it in. Oh, I got a 10. So I think <laughs> I might okay. check out, right? Especially the part where you said it was all fun. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know a lot of it has been, um, I remember there were a couple of times where it was, hey, we need you to be doing something different, something else. And it was always like, oh my God, I don't know how to do this or what I'm going to be doing it. And those were always some of the tasks that I enjoyed the most. Um, was trying to kind of break out of the comfort zone or had my comfort zone broken out for me. So when like Nathan Stewart was saying, hey, you're going to help Luke Gygax uh, set up his Founders and Legends events. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. But it was always, hey, this is going to be something new. It's going to be something challenging. <laughs> you're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way. Uh, but those were always some of the things I enjoyed doing the most in hindsight. In retrospect. <laughs> and is it true, uh, back when you started this podcast, um, so you didn't, this kind, you know, like podcasts were just becoming a thing. So yes. it was, you were kind of on the cutting edge there, but you didn't know <laughs> anything about like, what it, what was the first step? Like, oh, well, we want a podcast. So <laughs> yeah. no, it was, um, if memory serves, it was a couple of folks in, in D&D R&D department at the time. And they, it was the same thing. It was, hey, this is something we're interested in trying and experimenting. We have the website. We have, um, you know, very nascent social media presence at the time. We want to communicate with, with players. Uh, let's try podcasting. Let's see if that's a thing. And so, uh, <laughs> right, at that point, it's I, sure, I guess. We could try it, see what happens. Um, and we ended up just finding uh, kind of a half-used office 
Um, it, it was so slapdash. It was the one office in the building that had a lock on the door. And I still don't know why it had a lock on the door, but we could lock know. up the equipment at night. Um, and then like just buying foam panels off of Amazon and literally <laughs> stapling them to the wall. It was just, and in like in no pattern, in no meaningful way, it was just like, oh, I guess this is what a sound studio looks like. So we'll put in some foam and, and you know, facilities would think we were done with it and take it down every so often. And yeah. Yeah. Was, like, uh, like who's stapling garbage to the walls in here? <laughs> There's <laughs> egg crates with eggs still in it. Like, why is that here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was it was delightfully amateurish and uh just took a lot of um uh tutorials on GarageBand to even know how to produce a sound file. But it was fun, same thing. It was new, it was different, it was fun to try. Well, what um, I like about yeah. what you're saying here is that, that 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 philosophy stayed true for DD for a long time when even we were you mentioned the live streaming and and all that. Like a lot of it was let's just see what happens, how we can potentially break barriers down so it doesn't feel like we're just publishing books and that's it. Like there's, you know, you can see some of the inner workings, the decisions, the things that are made. And I think a lot of what we did together, all three of us, was all about trying to make people feel like the people who are working on D&D are well-rounded, funny, exciting, you know, people to, to be here. The three of us excluded. Everyone else is much cooler than we are. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't know if we talked about this before, but I mean, that was some of the philosophy. And this is this is for, for your end. This was, felt like a lot of the philosophy going in some of those early D&D Live events yeah. where Greg wanted to do something new and different and bolder. And it was going to be a challenge and there were going to be things that we figured out we couldn't do along the way and things that turned out like, hey, this turned out really great along the way. And the first one was here in Seattle and it was new and different and exciting. And, and it was terrifying to be doing it <laughs> basically live, right? From start to finish, there, there weren't pre-taped segments. And then the next year you had it in mind, like, yes, we did that. We know we can do that. Well, how else can we make it a little bit different and a little bit, you know, bolder and, and try different things and, and brought it down to Los Angeles and, and on and on. So yeah, I yeah, think yeah. there's a lot of folks, um, yourself included, that. Well, and you were a big part of it too. I mean, they don't want to, you know, you were you were giving up uh, all the right things on how to integrate the web into all of these events and make that happen. That was always your your specialty was was web uh, development and uh, making that like come to life. And that's now, you know, like you said, what your focus is now. So can you talk a little bit about what's going on with uh, with all that stuff now? Uh, and then I, I'm going to be checking to make sure that this is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, a, a bit. So I think it's it's no secret, uh, obviously, that uh, the website is going to be in a bit of a period of transition. Um, we made the exciting announcements, speaking of bold and exciting things, um, with the D&D Beyond, that acquisition and partnership and uh, how we sort of move forward together in, in that world. Uh, it happens to be coming at a time when we were going through a website um, conversion anyways. Uh, part of my job when we were launching 5th Edition was the web and these other platforms and components. Um, and I think we're cycling back to giving a little bit of a renewed emphasis on the website of things. Um, 
there's some some dusty corners. There's some some material that we do need to refresh. And the technical side of it, we're in the midst of converting um, the site from from one um, backend to another. So all of this is going on, you know, while we're also spinning up campaigns and product pages in support of Spelljammer and, you know, journeys through the Radiant Citadel and, you know, finding ways to make better use of those and carry more material and resources on those page for our users. So uh, there's there's a lot taking place, which is exciting. And uh, I think a lot still more to come, which is which is also exciting. All right. I'm going to roll this inside check, but this is also uh, going to be part of your performance review. <laughs> oh, yeah, 17. So you're good. Ooh, Oof. good one. Right. I'll take it. <laughs> pass that along. Right. Yeah, because I yeah. think that, that's, you're right. Like, it's all about trying new things still, you know, even though it is uh, in different formats and different things. It is about, you know, how do we, how do we connect with fans? Yeah. And I mean, that's part of the role. That's what we're talking with Shelly and, and with Sarah on the franchise team about, you know, um, material and, and things that we'll be bringing to the site this summer and beyond and, and what else they need the, uh, the site to be doing and all of that fun stuff. Lots of fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much Love. we can say. Yeah, lots of fun stuff. Well, looking backwards again, you 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 have been here at Wizards of the Coast for not quite as long as Shelley, is that right? Or are you no. longer? I'm an adult. I'm I've been there for 18 years now. So. Wow. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that long. I, I was yes. going to say 15. No, wow. I 2004. So I uh so the the little bit of the history was I was uh, I was teaching abroad. I was in the Peace Corps for a couple of years in the late 90s. And then at that point, I, I didn't really have roots anywhere since I was abroad for two years and thought, well, I could, I could go anywhere. So I decided Seattle was uh, an interesting, exciting city, had Wizards of the Coast. That was always sort of the desire. Um, and then kind of bounced around for a little bit at, at some, in an engineering firm, um, <laughs> all gas SDI, they did propane energy, which is not as exciting perhaps as Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, but you then, still have fireballs though. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, moved over to Microsoft. I was working at Microsoft game studios for several years. And then that was right at the start of Xbox, which was pretty, pretty cool, pretty exciting. Um, yeah. and then, uh, parlayed that into a, uh, um, it was a contract position at Wizards at first that became full-time, which I was super excited about. Um, licensed properties, so it was working on... It was. It's really been... There's, I think, a good reason I've been here for 18 years, and it's not just the um, challenges, ongoing challenges of what I'm doing, but also the brands have been fantastic. It's Dungeons & Dragons, I've worked on Magic, The Gathering. At the start, I was working on, on Star Wars and G.I. Joe and... and we had uh, trading card games for Major League Baseball, and it was just, it, and, and continues to be like, oh my God, I cannot believe I get to, you know, work on, on these properties every day. It's, it's been a delight. That is Aww. so cool. Yeah. That's really nice. So how did you, yeah. I don't think I've ever actually heard this exact story. How did you two meet? Well, mm, I could tell, I know that story. 
Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Shelly doesn't know no. this story. Tony, well, I don't I, remember. Feels like you've kind of just always been here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how, how, uh, what, what facet of the story are we telling? On a At work. Level, on Where a we met. Level. No, like just how we, the, as friends, how did we first meet? <laughs> oh, uh, maybe I should tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> This feels like a real married couple now. <laughs> I, well, I didn't know if we were going to pull the, uh, the, the the cover off of the secret about uh, Shelley. What? Uh, no, I don't even know what the secret is, but whatever it is, leave it as a secret. <laughs> <laughs> this is our, this is work. This is our work podcast. <laughs> we did not do anything illicit. Gross. I'll tell the story now. You've lost the privilege. We were both working on Neopets. Neopets. Yeah. And we used to um, have, like, we would actually, like, print out all the cards. It was called the God Book because it was every single card in the set. And Bart was the web guy, and he, like, we were just emailing, and he's like, I need need a God Book. And I was like, okay, where do you sit? And so I, I brought him this book, and or I brought him what he was the God book, and I said, "Here you go." He seemed like a nice enough guy. We must have chatted for a minute. That was it. I was that was it. But Who then we thought Neopets would have brought you together. It was, and we met or we talked again at the holiday party that year, which I think like we were both like with dates. Like there was not we we were just being friends chatting but like we had a lot in common so we just you know our friendship kind of struck up from then from then on yeah, and then you started hosting podcasts together and then yes and you yes. know you know how like the sparks just fly when you host a podcast together. <laughs> oh wait wait what as i read from <laughs> from the uh the Dan Harmon uh, chapter in uh welcome to dragon talk uh it's i i, I don't i just love that that, the that awkward whole, married couple. The whole relationship there. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, we really we really surprised Dan Harmon with that one. Yeah. That's, like, Wait, what? You're mar- that's where is I was this true? <laughs> I didn't know if folks knew we were an awkward married couple. <laughs> oh. Well now they know. Oh my yeah. god, you clear you're not a dragon talk listener, are you? You've just outed yourself. <laughs> We I talk about Dragon Talk every weekend. We talk oh. about you and your asthma all the time on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I think you have passed your inside check. I got a 14 here on uh, you two actually being married. I think now we can prove it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> With the amount Fun, of, uh, of back and forth here. Fun fact, I think... It, uh, what what document do you actually have to fill out to get married? Is it the marriage license or a certificate? License? Like whatever yeah. one that's like, you get, yeah. what, which one you get to keep? Right. We Chris Perkins filled ours out because his handwriting is so nice. Oh, yes. we were like, I know it's really sweet. Fun fact. That and is a fun Marty fact. Durham. Marty <laughs> Durham and illegal was our officiant. So yeah. Like yep. The wizards. Uh, the the cleric of my D and D party at the time. <laughs> Made him totally legit. Love all this. Love all this. Well, I love that you uh, two started uh, this podcast. It, it has been uh, a joy. And Bert, what you're doing now is amazing stuff, as well as all the stuff we did, uh, you know, leading up to it. So, 
Thanks. You can check out a lot more of all this story uh, in Welcome to Dragon Talk coming out later this year. But Bart, uh, I think you passed your insight check. I think we we <laughs> we now know the truth about you. No, and uh, appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on and saying a few words. And by all means, I, I think while the podcast might have started as a bit of a experiment to see, you know, hey, could this could this um, could this be a podcast? I think you guys have done such a great job over these years and years and years, like making it not just, a, you know, a podcast, but a great podcast. And uh, I, I really, uh, I really am proud of what you guys have done with it. And, oh. and I'm really delighted to, yeah, that, uh, that it's, it's still been going on. It's, it's, it's fantastic. So congratulations to you both. Well, thanks, dude. And, uh, you know, thanks to bring, for bringing on Ryan. I don't think this podcast would have been anything. Yeah. <laughs> Loves that clean audio. <laughs> that story is also told in the book. I love all I that. I know. We're spilling it all. All right. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Bart. We'll let you get back to, uh, you know, the web minds uh, of Fandelver. <laughs> all right. Thank you both. <laughs> Well, that was awesome. I love talking to Bart as always. <laughs> Playing games with him is super fun. I know it's not necessarily your favorite thing. Uh, we're doing okay. But we're do- you're doing all right with making it happen. And yeah. uh, I love that we were able to, you know, talk about the book and how his involvement in getting Dragon Talk started was, was a big part of that. None of this would be happening, we can say, if it weren't for Bart Carroll. That is true. That is a true statement. Yeah. In fact, he even hired uh, Ryan it's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez, his influence his just continues to live on. Fingertips are all over it. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, well, we are now going to speak to two game designers who have very different backgrounds, but uh, I think work well together. So let's, uh, let's get our guests on the horn. Everyone, let's welcome Justice Armand and Felice Kwan to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! Yay. So excited you both are here. Uh, You are both writers for Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel. You both did uh, uh, some really great work on that. Uh, Justice, you are now a a employee of Wizards of the Coast as a game designer, which is really exciting. Yeah. This was was the first book I got to work on, so very excited about that. Wow, you have a really good track record. (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) The Radiant Citadel basically is... Dropping you right here in beautiful Renton, Washington. Yes, yes. <laughs> the, the little known portal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Felice, you're a narrative designer on uh, video games, uh, which huh? is really exciting. And there's a lot of uh, parallels between D and D writing and, and narrative design for for games, right? Yeah, I, I found that to be the case, and it was. Um, it, it is also my first the D and D publication, and and this was a fantastic project to. Uh, to come into so well that's yeah good. you also have a, a stellar track record thank you uh well, i'm curious like how how did you how did you become involved in this in this project from from the from the beginning maybe felice you can start yeah we'll... sure um i've known ajit for um many years we met uh in a larp um i believe i was <laughs> i was uh nice his, 
I was a, a, a wizard that, and he served me. Um, and it was, uh, with papers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, he obeyed my command. And, ah, um, perfect. we, 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 um, kept in touch over the years. Um, and he's been, um, obviously involved in, um, D and D for, for quite some time. And when, so when he was, um, putting together the team to be writing, uh, he, he reached out to me and I was absolutely thrilled. No hesitations. You're just like, sign me up. I'll do it. None whatsoever. Oh yeah. Not, <laughs> not, not only no hesitation, like gratitude for, for, for sure. Um, this is a dream project. That's awesome. Do you have a history you? with Dungeons and Dragons? Have you played uh, D&D? What, when, no. what was your origin story? When yeah. did you start? So, um, longtime nerd, mainly LARPing and mudding, but mm-hmm. first encounter officially with D&D was um, the, the game that I was a writer on, Life is Strange Before the Storm, has a segment, which is entirely optional, when the main character, Chloe, she's bumming around her high school, and she can sit down and play D&D with Steph and Mikey, who are two characters there. Um, and so I was one of the writers on this segment. So as part of the research, we played some campaigns. Um, my buddy Max ran one and, and, and we used that for inspiration. You know, we, we went through all the forums yeah, hearing about it. And um, that experience was my, my main introduction and uh, became, became enormously popular uh, with, with players. So, yeah. I love those references to, to to Dungeons and Dragons in, you know, things like Stranger Things and and, and more mm-hmm. passive entertainment. But it's it's so much more uh, engaging when it is you know a, a choice that you're making as a player, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, I I hope some people started D and D because of that, like just just like happened to me. So yeah, I feel like there was a shirt on one of the the, the main character is like a Critical Role shirt or something in the game. Is that right? It later, so it kind of became a thing because. Um, that segment was popular enough that when we uh, made the third episode of the game, we brought back, um, there, there was another session that you could play in the hospital. And then oh. the next game, Life is Strange True Colors, featured the DM character, who was Steph, um, in her own uh, DLC. And Critical Role um, was officially involved in that DLC. Oh, cool. um, you have, I think, <laughs> you have a dating app and you can see some interesting members on the dating app um, of, mm. on Steph's phone. So um, check it out. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. There's a bit of a critical little Easter egg throughout. Yeah. Oh, how fun. That's so cool. And what about you, Justice? How did you become involved in this? Yeah, not as cool a story. I did not get to LARP with Audrey yet. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh, are you sure? Yet. Hope you do. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I got a I got a message out the blue. It, I did not know who Audrey was before that. Um, and a, a friend of mine said, um, hey, I passed your name for something over here. Don't know if anything will come out of it. But if you get an email from this guy, you should answer it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I jumped on a call with him. I, I think I was one of the last writers added because um, they had already been a little bit into the project at that point. Um, but no, in, felt incredibly lucky to have gotten the chance to to be on this. I think Ajit had seen some of my my products I'd done before on the DM Guild, like uh, Candlekeep and, and, and Darkhold, uh, and some of those before. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a dream. I loved it. Uh, awesome introduction to kind of the behind the scenes here at D and D, and 
Yeah, it was just incredible. And and what a what a great opportunity to be able to tell, you know, kind of a newer story uh in in DD um as kind of that first introduction to it. So uh, very grateful. And now, of course, Ajit has become a very close friend of mine and a mentor. Uh, and uh, I'm actually going to have some lunch with him here in a couple of weeks when I'm out in uh, Renton. So. Oh, nice. Are you going to cook for him? Because I oh, do oh, love when you talk about food. Yeah, he he. I don't think he'll let me not cook for him. Every food <laughs> post Ajit will comment on. And, and I have promised him an impressive spread when all of our cookware arrives uh, <laughs> afterwards. So, oh, nice. Uh, and, and you all may come as well. So oh, I will I'm, cook for a lot of people I'm out there. I'm 100% taking you up on that. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love love cooking Iranian food. Um, and uh, it's just delectable. And cooking is such a labor of love. And I think cooking pervades some of the adventures you'll find in, in journeys. And uh, I think the very first adventure um, from Serena uh, mm. features cooking in it uh, and in some incredible ways. So, I love that by when this, when this event happens, just as you will have served Ajit and Ajit will have served you, Felice, and then the whole circle will be complete. <laughs> I was a server for a long time and everybody used to say, justice is served. And like, I was like, oh, no, my oh, goodness. Oh, I'm wow. sorry. Like, <laughs> but yeah, all of kind the of. justice puns. <laughs> wow. Well, I love, uh, we talked a little bit uh, when we were uh, announcing um, Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel Justice, the the story around your adventure. Uh, but mm-hmm. for folks who may, uh, you know, you want to talk a little bit about what that is and and, and uh, what uh, people can expect with Shadow of the Sun? Yeah, so Shadow of the Sun is an 11th level adventure um, that takes place in a city-state ruled by a, an angel named Altash. Um, in the adventure, you're, it's kind of set around this um, fantastical uh, uh, festival uh, that takes place during an eclipse, uh, an eclipse where at night the moon shines as brilliantly uh, as the sun. Uh, so it is called Shabe Taban, which means the brilliant night. Um, so during that, you will be exposed to kind of these, these resistance groups that are in uh, the city uh, which is called Ocharin uh, Sengar, which means uh, the last defense. And so some people aren't happy with the angel and kind of the more iron-fisted rule, and then uh, other people side with the angel. And, and throughout the adventure, uh, your characters get to uh, pick a side and, and you know reap the consequences of uh, these two main threads, that every choice they make will entrench them in some other little deeper in each of the factions. And... Uh, uh, maybe influence uh, the outcome of the adventure. Amazing. Love, yeah. So I love what? It. Oh, yeah. No, tell. Go. But what? What do you love? <laughs> I was just gonna say I love that it's it's it, the way you describe that adventure. It doesn't feel like the uh, extremely traditional. Like, oh, you're going into a dungeon and you're gonna slay monsters, grab their loot, and come out. Like, there's so much more to that. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more player agency to it that I just I, I love. Uh, that whole framework that you know changes up that that you know, that old stereotype of what D and D is. Yeah, and, and Wesley Schneider, uh, the other lead on the book, uh, was very helpful in in framing that so that the choices felt real throughout the adventure, and there wasn't a de facto, you know, this is the good side, this is the bad side. The the way that the encounters are set up in the adventure, you're challenging your own expectations of things and challenging your perceptions, which I think is very much a theme of the book of 
seeing something one one way and then experiencing it and having a different, more well-rounded perspective when you finish the story. Yeah, I'm like, what I love so much about this book is is the the influences of the lived experiences and a lot of like pulling from from folklore and, and I know um, I'm I'm half Lebanese and I my mom like was always I, I'm a writer and I loved storytelling and like she was always telling me like you get that from me like that's mm-hmm. that's that's <laughs> from us because there's storytelling was such an important part of Middle Eastern culture and like with my relatives it was like anytime we would go to grandma's house it was all the sisters all the aunts the grandpa like and it was just stories and like the same stories a lot but <laughs> like, you have like the family like your own family folklore and yeah. um, I I was trying to think of it before this this interview, but there was a word they used to always reference and call me because some people would say storyteller. Some of them would say liar. Um, I, I just think it's, you know, it's the details that make your, your story better, but I can't remember. I couldn't remember what the, what the word was, but anyway, what, um, like when you had the opportunity to write the story, was this a story that you already kind of had in your in your mind to write, or where did you come up with with that inspiration? Because I imagine you you're probably full of just knowing that you're a very creative individual. And I yeah, I'm, I'm writing things all the time. Anytime you know, I'll be like, oh, a desert centaur, and then I'll write it down. I'm like, maybe I'll put it away and come back, and one day that'll that'll come up to something. Um, but we had, we had different pitches that we made. So there are actually, uh, there are two other versions of something that this, this one out, and this was my favorite of all of the three. So I was, I was really happy that it resonated with the leads that this was the one they were interested in. It's so interesting that you talk about storytelling because my dad is a huge storyteller and, uh, the movie, uh, big fish, I think it's Tim Mm. Burton. Yeah. Uh, that movie always makes me think of my dad because he he kind of has that, you know, you say liar, that kind of tall tale yes. that turns out to be true. When I went to Iran, I would see these places that my dad told about in the stories. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that was real. He's like, yeah, it's right here. Like, oh, this is where this happened. This is where this happened. And it's, that movie is so close to my heart because of that. But um, one note there, John August is the screenwriter for Big Fish and uh, he is a D&D player and loves talking really? about D&D on oh, his no podcast, way. Script Notes. Um with uh, with his co-host Craig Mason, uh, we had them on way back in like 2016 or something like that. Oh gosh, wow. Shelly, it was a long time ago. But I just I always I remember yeah, script he, notes. I'll have to check that out. Wow. On he drive. brought a lot of D and Dness to that to that film uh, yeah. because it is you know what we think of like when we when we imagine things they're always bigger and larger than life uh, and and they and here they get to you know be proved out in some ways. Um, yeah. But Felice, when you got you guys mentioned before we started recording that that you were co working a lot on on these adventures together, did you did you get to see some of uh, Justice's uh, you know ideas come about and and you know yes. bounce off each other? So so for a variety of reasons, um, and among them being that Justice um, was among the there were there were a handful of folks on the book who who whose experience um, a lot of the, the people who are newer like myself were really, really learning from. So I I know that I I was, we were all able to read each other's drafts and I was always pouring over justices um, to see, you know, what what, what were some tidbits that I could learn and incorporate. Um, And then there was also this further lucky um, coincidence that I work really late at night 
Um, and I believe justice. What was what time were we working? You, was that like was justice this? never sleeps? Yeah, there, yes. <laughs> oh right. I served you that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, like what, two a.m. Right? Like that's. It not, was late. It was late, and and yeah. to, it was really cool to have somebody else who who is up at that time to co work. Because yeah, and and Felice says all that, but Felice is a brilliant writer, has incredible ideas. Like Felice would, I, I would read uh, your adventure and just be blown away by it. It's so incredible, and the way that you write is 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 incredible as well. So um, I I count myself very lucky to have co-worked with you, and we should do that again. Maybe not at I, two a.m. I would again, I would but. love to. Yeah, not at not at not at two a.m. My my husband was always raising his eyebrows. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, but I think some of the, like hearing you talk about, um, the storytelling aspect, the the tradition there, it's, it's so interesting because my own father and my mom too would often talk about their history in Taiwan. And it was a very similar mix of, um, yeah, this is the, well. Well, I, I came about it from the opposite of you, where you were like, "Wow, that was real." I was always like, "That's a hundred percent real." Like I told, I ate all of it. I was like, That's, well, "Like we are descended from, you know, the great like, like uh, Lao Tzu or something like that." We, it's us. It's us. Um, so, so like my 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 adventure. I think many you'll find that like so many of the adventures in this book are simultaneously like very unique and then have these sort of this, these threads, these foundations of, um, you know, connection, family, history, oral traditions. Um, so in a similar manner, um, my adventure definitely explores ideas of um, history, perception, more than one side of a story, you know, and, and, and a, a truth that could, could like two different opposing truths that could just both be um, legitimate. Uh, and I think that the fact that so many of us tapped into our own personal experiences with um, potentially parents or grandparents uh, is reflected in a lot of these adventures. That's really cool. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your, your adventure? Uh, oh yeah. What's I should the, <laughs> thank you. What's the, what's the quick, uh, well, it doesn't have to be quick. What's the, what's the, the premise? Sure. So I have written a 13th level adventure. It's called Berry Dynasty. The setting is, um, it's the capital city of Yongqing, and it's loosely inspired by the Forbidden City in China. And so um, the Forbidden City is a capital built on the same location um, for for many, many um, dynasties worth. So the current dynasty is um, called the Xing Dynasty and prides itself extremely on its stability, its longevity. And um, one of the things that they like to do is go into the ruins of the architecture upon which the current city was built and investigate whatever historical artifacts can be found from prior dynasties. And uh, it's quite dangerous down there. So in this particular adventure, the Grand Secretary has hired the party to help with a particularly vicious section of of the old city to retrieve some artifacts. Um, And as you might expect for a 13th level adventure, um, what is discovered is not necessarily what was planned for. And then, so one of the other cool things in these adventures are new monsters. Can you tell us, or maybe will that be too spoilery? Yeah, there are some throughout some of the other adventures. So I don't know which all that. I think there's 11, right? Yes. 
throughout. Yes. Um, so mine has a uh, a new type of angel. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it is called the pattery. Uh, so if you translate the word pattery, it actually translates to fairy. Um, oh. But kind of positioning these as a celestial and as an angel uh, is very rooted in their appearances uh, in uh, uh, Iranian myth and legend. Uh, for example, um, the Shahnameh, which is like this, it's sort of like the Odyssey, the Iliad and the Odyssey for Iran, this national epic. It's a big poem. Uh, it's written in the, I want to say the 15th century. Uh, there are these, um, there is this God that takes the form of a pari at the beginning and goes down and warns the first king, basically, of things to come. And so... Uh, there's like a little bit of a gap between your CR10 uh, Deva and your CR16 Planetar. So your Patri sits kind of right in the middle uh, and they take this kind of role as uh, creatures of foresight and uh, kind of looking at omens. So they make great advisors or they're the, they're the kinds of where a Deva is going to say, hey, this is what the God wants to tell you. And a Planetar is going to be like, it's too late. Here comes, you know, fire and brimstone or all those things. The, the Paris, the one that's like, hey, you need to change your ways because I see this in your future and this is what's going to happen if you continue down this road. Um, so there's a very prominent featuring Paris in the adventure, um, which you get exposed to very early uh, that that follows you throughout. And uh, uh, I was very excited to do that. They also have four wings. And um, one thing that I think uh, was really cool about this project is that uh we all got to write uh, art orders um, for the pieces which appear. Um, so that really helped oh, give cool. us. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that helped give us like uh, a little bit more ownership about how some of these things appeared and we were able to, you know, prioritize things that we wanted to see in them. So if you look at all the art of the angels, it's very inspired by like Achaemenid Persian or they're very old angels versus kind of the, the garb you see in the, the citizens is a little bit more modern, kind of more medieval, and even some like current day wear uh, appears. Um, but when you have them side by side, they look very different from one another. Um, and I'm, and I know I've seen some of the art in Felice's adventures, so uh, I know it's incredible. And I'm curious what Felice thinks about that. Yeah, the the art is amazing, really, really cool. Um, and I think. What Justice was saying about the about getting to have some ownership over the art, I I really appreciate it because um, we were able to make sure that we were able to, we could point out things about the way a, a a non a non white race was depicted that we might not normally get to say, and and that was really really appreciated because it's not until you have that platform that maybe little things um, come up that that you wouldn't realize matter a, a tremendous amount. Um, yeah. It's such an interesting skill too, to be able to, I, I love talking about it with the designers on D and D because it's not really narrative writing. It's very descriptive. It's very much like, let's give the tools to the artists who are then going to interpret your very specific wording, you know, cause, uh, cause an art order is not a lot of words. It's only supposed to be like a hundred, maybe 150 words, right. At the mm-hmm. most. And so you have to compact all that information into that without 
editorializing really like it's 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 hard to learn so i'm really uh, yeah what did you, what did you think about that experience of getting all that information out there Felice? oh oh yeah well i think in in addition to that those words we did have the opportunity to give a lot of reference imagery mm, um and well, i don't cool. know if that's unusual or not because um and so so part of you know part of the um Part of the awesomeness was 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 being able to um, to show you know when, when justice talks about the differences between those two styles um, to to literally pull up and give to the artist a picture of exactly what we were talking about um, mm-hmm. yeah and and being encouraged to do so that's valuable I guess a picture is worth a thousand words so <laughs> <laughs> or hundred and fifty and you know it's really great too because you only get so many art pieces in in any adventure, right? And so every one that you submit says something about the piece as a whole. And then Mm -hmm. those are the things that the DM draws on for inspiration in in future descriptions. So, you know, you you take like the way that the Persian empire is depicted in 300, they're literally monsters. They wear all black, they have masks and stuff. So being able to say like the people of Ocherin Sangar who are inspired by, you know, in some ways, like Iranian myth and legend, uh, they wear much more colorful clothing. Uh, They're not walking around in full suits of plate armor in a hot climate with black masks and and capes and everything on, though that's super cool looking in some ways. Um, But I was able to like provide some art references of like an actual Persian immortal, which they wore uh, uh, scale mail or, or what is it? Whatever the one that's like, I think it's scale mail, like breastplates, mm-hmm. but then they carried like wicker shields and wore very lightweight clothing. And so using that to inform the fantasy, I think helps. And like seeing the art now months down the road, I'm really happy with the way it turned out. And, uh, and I know other Iranians who've seen the art uh, who who love it, uh, and some of their messages make me emotional seeing it. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah, uh, we our our previous guest uh, last week talked a little bit about this idea of solar punk. This like mm. idea, and this is I mean I've heard that word a couple of times, but I didn't really kind of really investigated the definition of it. Um, but they were really impressed with what they had seen of the artwork and the presentation of Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel, and I wanted to kind of put that to you too to see what you thought about that word like that kind of brightness that looking forward it still is perhaps a little anti-establishment uh in 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 the punk part of the word but it is forward-looking and not dystopian right it is about how do you create a better a better future did did that kind of inform some of your your thoughts while making these adventures i think it it wasn't it was not only informing us throughout but i I think that both um wes and ajit um, took a lot of care, even at the outset, to define the vision of of the book as a whole, and to um, to to specify some of the things that you're pointing out. And I want to make it clear, though, that that even though it's it's hope punk or solar punk, that that doesn't mean that it's you know roses and rainbows at all. In fact, we were encouraged to, as Justice alluded to, look at both the good and the bad, the, the mix of that that is. You know, reflected in the real world today, and it's more about um, the the direction that that each adventure is looking toward improvement, toward mm-hmm. hope, toward toward making a positive difference. But inherent in making a positive difference is that there are very gnarly problems to dig into 
in, in the adventures themselves. Um, and so I, I, I felt like when one, one of the huge privileges on working on this project and being able to talk to a whole bunch of writers from completely different backgrounds who are all kind of struggling with similar questions, a lot of the times when I'm working on a project that has a character from my background, the kinds of questions that we are talking about are really a surface level, like, um, you know, let's, let's make sure that they, this character is representing your race well and that they're kind of like nice or they like come across positively. And for the first time in working with Justice and the other writers, I was having conversations like, oh, I really, really want to dig into this kind of negative aspect of my culture. And, I, I, you know, am I, am I representing it fairly? Am, what, does that, what does that say? Um, how, how can I examine this um, in a way that's both meaningful and interesting to dig into um, and, and, and honest? And so it was really, really cool to be having those conversations on a project of this caliber. Right. Yeah, because you can't have storytelling without conflict. There needs mm-hmm. to be some type of conflict, whether it's you know ideas, whether it's uh, uh, you know the simple tyranny versus freedom. Like you're, you're going to have to have some type of uh, of conflict resolution as part of the storytelling, and so it's really fascinating to be able to be like, how do we how do we bring that forth without feeling like it's punching down, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's true for the characters too. Like we don't want characters that are perfect. Like you, we do want to see some parts of themselves that, you know, they, they have to kind of come to terms with or, or try to rectify. Like, I don't want a, a narrator that is just going to have it easy all the time and just be perfectly likable and make the right decisions. I want to see that internal struggle as well. That's human. Yeah. That's why flaws are a big part of the, you know, character creation yes. process, uh, yeah. too, for, for fifth edition. Yeah. And I think, and I think even too, like going off of character uh, creation, like a lot of the e- each one of these adventures has a little section afterwards that, that tells you a little bit about the location it takes place in. And so, mm. oh, the book also encourages people to to make uh, characters from these places uh, because there you have that radiant citadel that can get you to other worlds. Um, and, uh, I mean, you, you could have a spell jamming ship land in, in <laughs> any one of these locations and take them on to another adventure. Um, but there are some questions that they ask of characters there that like, when you're making your character, what kinds of things do you think about here? And yeah, there, some of them are kind of, uh, deep and introspective and then, and then others are exciting, uh, you know, it, it, going back to like, I mean, the solar, like Ocarin Sangare has like a night curfew. A lot of stuff happens during the day, but it's still really real. Like there are still threats there. There are still, you know, there there's an angel and his his servants that don't always do things in the most understanding way because they have a much longer perspective. Um, but at the same time, yeah, like I, I I love that. It's so cool that this was the a book that Wes led and and he also led Van Richten's. Because uh, you have that very grim dark, you can't escape ever the domains of dread, truly. Like Strahd might, it might end for a moment or two, but then the cycle repeats itself. Whereas in Radiant Citadel, uh, as Felice said, things are forward looking. And, and if the characters stay there, if, if they they come back, there's progress, there's forward movement. And with that come challenges too. But um, it's cool that the nature of challenges are interesting too And in and and not just our pieces, like some of the other ones, like Mario's piece is incredible. And I know that like at times we've talked about how 
like nerve wracking it can be to feel like you're representing a, a, a culture in fantasy, but at the same time, knowing that like, this is a piece and this is a piece you never really get to see and like, enjoy it, have fun, adventure there, tell stories. Like, yeah, it's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, going back to your adventure, Felice, uh, one thing that struck me as you were describing it was that idea of, you know, archaeology, of like going into and finding artifacts from the past. It's something that's very much in D&D's DNA, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, that is, that is what it is all about to a certain extent. But I love that, I, that concept of like then being able to be the entity that's telling the story based on these artifacts. Is that, is that like a theme that you're kind of Yeah, very much into? so. Yeah, it's it's not just that you go down into the past and stay there. It's entirely about how do the things that you find about in the past affect this present day vibrant city where there's a ton of like bickering and sniping and political drama. What what is the effect on the now, the the forward, the future? Um, yeah, encouraging their play the players to 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 find out that story right and then mm-hmm. bring it to light. Like I love that. I mean, it's such a a powerful just storytelling tool for 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 all uh, people. I remember when I was a kid, there was some lesson that I've never forgot where it described uh, discs made of uh, metal and poles and a ramp uh, and something. And they were trying to describe, oh, this was a game that people used to play in ancient times. Uh, but what they were really describing was a pizza parlor. And, oh, my gosh. And, <laughs> and the fact that the, the, they were, the discs were the pizza pans that were being put oh. into an oven and everything uh-huh. like that. And it's something that I mean, I must have been in sixth grade or something like that when I when I read that. And it's it's it was the forward of a history book. It was like about like, hey, we think this is what it is, but we have no actual real idea because we weren't there, and we're just piecing together, and we can be completely wrong. And I and I always think about that with D and D as the context. That's really funny. That stayed with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a really good know. intro. That sounds like a good book. I know. Kind of I like think textbook. I you would have hooked me with that. Yeah, my, right. my textbooks were not that exciting. <laughs> uh, um, so, Felice, you're. I mean, obviously, no stranger to working in the games industry and writing for video games. But I, I don't know. Never written an adventure, but I would imagine that it's different. But how it, how was this experience for you writing? It was. I mean. There were challenges, but it was just, it was so much fun. Um, and like the, 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 the main difference, I think, between what I do every day and writing for um, Radiant Citadel was, was basically how much, how much are you controlling versus how much are you setting up? And um, with, with, with D&D, it was, it was very, very much setting up, putting the tools in the box that the players are going to take very, very wide directions. With with a cinematic narrative adventure game, um, we the things that a player can do are entirely limited by, you know, what are what are the buttons and the verbs that we are going to give them? What are the cutscenes that we're going to make? Um, and so being having that field widened considerably was simultaneously awesome because you suddenly start thinking, oh, wow, the players might do this or they might do that. And then also uh, a challenge, as you might imagine, um, to make sure that the players are steered appropriately and given the tools they need to have an awesome time. Was it freeing to be able to just not have to, you know, worry about the outcome of everything? Or or was that, did that make it harder for you to write a story if it's 
there's so much that's open-ended in it. I think there's a ment- there was a mental switch when I had to kind of like chill. So because like because <laughs> well, the, vid- the video games right, we're constantly like okay, what do we think the player is going to be thinking at this moment? Especially in our games, there's a lot of of, of choice based mechanics. You know, you 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 build a relationship with characters entirely so we can then like mess you up by presenting you with a really hard choice that is going to affect your relationship with this this character. So we're always trying to think like how are characters going to how are players going to feel at this moment? What are they going to think at this moment? And it's literally impossible to know how players are going to think and feel at every moment in the D&D adventure because they might be doing something like often an entirely different like path um, that you never even conceive of. And um, I mean, I think I think that's that's part of why I am so grateful to Justice and and other people on this project because just hearing from people who have have, have worked in this medium for quite a while there was definitely a point where I suddenly like got it. And I was like, ah, okay, just, just just chill. Um, (laughs) This is like, you are, you're, it's like I said before, it's like, it's the setup. Um, You know, if you have the right ingredients there, um, the players are going to bring them their own selves to it and make it, make it what it needs to be. Yeah. That's that's a really cool perspective. I feel like I watched it click too yeah. on some, yeah, of, those, cool. some of those meetings right, where, right. you know, we'd, we'd look over a paragraph and be like, this is really cool. Like, but what if this and this, that kind of awareness of Felice, like, like the, the box is just like open and it can be as open as it needs to. But like you, you see adventures too, that try to, that try to account for every scenario. But the reality is there is always a, like, if there's a scenario you didn't write, that's the one the players will find. Like every yeah. time, it doesn't matter. You try your best, but they want to break your nice things. <laughs> you were telling me about that. You were warning me about that with your side characters. You were like giving me an example of justice where you were like, I had I ran this campaign and then there was like a random who was it? it was like a storekeeper or something like that with like pink hair. Does, does that sound oh, familiar at all? That sounds right. <laughs> that sounds like yeah, that that you you build a, an entirely flat character that you expect one instance to be involved, and that's the one the the players want to hang out with. That's the one they want to know their life story. Yeah. That's the one they want to bring on their adventures with you. And you you say yes and and you try your best. Like <laughs> I think a big shift as well was when I'm writing a video game, I'm in dialogue with the player. And then I think I I slowly came to understand that this adventure I'm in dialogue with, with the DM really. I am, um, I am helping. I am not telling the story. I'm, I'm helping, I'm helping you tell the story with your group of players. And I think that, that, that shift also was really, really helpful. Right. You have to have some trust Mm -hmm. that they are a thinking person who can, do it justice just described to be like all right well mm-hmm. there's nothing in here about this character but uh, let's go and, yeah. and make it happen and you're right that has to be uh an implicit trust <laughs> yeah and like dialogue too is super interesting like the word dialogue in a different sense but like dialogue yeah. in video games super important like it sets tone you it tells you who the character is there, there's not a lot of dialogue in yeah. in table there's some in some box text but uh is is it challenging to like to not have as much, I don't know how much dialogue you typically write or. It was, I guess it, it was a cool learning experience. I know that um, you're absolutely right that when we write a line of dialogue, we're like trying to convey to the player what to do. And also what is this person's personality? And um, 
a, a ton of information. And in the um, in the adventures, we have maybe you know the quotes from the the, the NPCs that are really important, and then mm-hmm. a little bit of that flavor. And I know that through the editing process, I was able to see how my initial dialogue, which might have been a lot more um, flavor filled, I guess, was was tweaked to really help a DM understand mm. what is the role that this NPC is going to do for you as you as you steer this adventure. Um, and there was some, some really clear signposting that was very cool for me to watch um, in transformation. That's awesome. Yeah, that is really cool because I'm thinking of like the collaboration that happens when you're writing a script for a for a play or a movie and an actor and a director you know it goes through those filters and they add and change and and morph the the line sometimes especially if it's a new play that they're working on and workshopping mm-hmm. um and it doesn't it's not that dissimilar from what you're talking about right where it is you know i have to just give the tools and I'll know that the interpretation is going to happen and then what's going to be at the table is going to be probably very different from anything that's written on the page but knowing that it will have those core tenets and how to get those core tenets across like that's you know, that's adventure writing, you know, to a T. Yeah, that, that's interesting. It's And it's cool too, like, it's the whole adventure is the story, right? Like, it's a theme. It's a theme that the characters go through. And like, it might not have, there's a point A and there's probably a point B at the end. <laughs> and they, they something wild might happen. They might not make it to that point B. But it's it's the aggregate of all the moments. That is the story that's, and you can those situations and the themes around them, I think, is what tells the story. Um, it's not you don't get to tell the whole thing. You get to set it up and hope that the DM steers it in the direction you intended. And if they didn't, that it's still fun anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, because yeah. these are all jumping off points. I always think of like when I'm reading a really good story, like what it would be like to play this as a D&D adventure and not, but because adventure writing to me, like really does just blow my mind. Like I'm just like, I can't wrap my brain around how like the parts of it that are left out intentionally. Cause that's the parts that the players and the DM are going to fill in those details. So I always try to like, look at like a complete, like just like a regular story. And then if it was to be turned into a D&D or any, you know, role-playing adventure, where would those cuts, like, where would you essentially, like, cut out narrative to let the players take control of, of that story, if that makes any sense at all? And I don't I don't know if that's even the right philosophy behind writing an adventure, but I, how would you begin? Like, if somebody is like, Justice, I am ready to, to take this step, and I have great stories in my mind. I know they would be fun for a dungeon master and players. Where do you where do you begin with that story? Uh, I get I get asked a lot, like how do you get your feet wet wet with like tabletop writing and and like how how to write out an adventure. And the thing that I will preface all of it is is like even now after however many like years, like it's still really hard. Like it's a challenging thing, and there are people who do this all the time that will get to the end of something they've written and look at it and go, wow, like I missed a step somewhere. This is not, the play testers are not liking this adventure. This is, it didn't go the way I intended at the table. Um, I think that 
my like my biggest advice is like focus on situations, not stories. Like tr- try to if you have a story you want to tell, mm-hmm. like like break it into its like base message and have your encounters reinforce that message so that by the time like if you read it and you get sick of a message over time, that means that like one third of that message might actually make it to the table. So they won't be sick of it. So you look at like Storm Team Thunder, there's in, in chapter four, there's a ton of like encounters that are themed around giants. There's like, I, I want to say there's 164 locations, <laughs> but nobody runs every location. And so if you have five sessions in there, you might get, I don't know, 10 of those encounters you're going to come through that and the message will have really gotten delivered if it's in most of them. So, I mean, you, you try your best, you write a lot and, and learn from letting people who aren't you run your stuff and don't give them any preference. Like say, Hey, I wrote this, will you run it? Uh, And see how that goes and then ask them about it and ask the players about it and you'll improve. Yep. I mean, the play testing is a very important part because like, like we, we have blinders on when we, you know, mm. create something and it, you never know what's going to stick or what's going to resonate and kind of similar to like what NPCs the players are going to gravitate towards and which ones they're going to despise. So, yeah. 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 Um, Felice, what do you, what do you hope people get out of uh, running your adventure? Like what's, what's, what are some of those themes and things, situations that Justin's talking about? What are some of them uh, that you, you know, what are the stories you hope to hear once this comes out and people run it? I, I hope that people will enjoy the, so I, 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 I took care to bring this out in my adventure, but the, the location that it's situated in this sort of um, really bustling city that has a lot of drama going on. I hope that, the adventure will also whet the appetite for the situations that are potentially ripe for conflict. I think that if if um, if people come out of my setting or my adventure thinking, "Whoa, this this culture, this land has um, a ton of problems that are going to be really exciting to like, you know, blow up," um, then, then then I'll be thrilled. That's cool, right? Because that's that's what's interesting about uh, uh, any of these stories is that, like, look, here's 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 something that you want to you want to embody. Here's like, and when we when we when, even what you were talking about, Shelley, of like seeing a movie or reading a story, you're like I want to be in that world. I want to play mm-hmm. in that world, and that's that desire is what any game maker wants, right? Is <laughs> to get that excitement from players. That's cool. Will you DM your adventures? Is that fun for you to do? Or is that like, oh, I'm too too close to the action. I can't do it. Mm. What a great question. I'm so, well, I want to know what, what what you would say, Justice, because like I... Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely want to. I want to, you know, it's interesting too, because both Felice and I, our adventures take place over level 10. So the stakes of our adventures are yeah, actually... Yeah they're pretty high. Like mm. there can be a whole campaign in these locations before you could ever get to this point. I feel like in both these, because the outcomes of them fundamentally have the potential, I feel like to change some things about the the location, um, which is both exciting and like, 
you know, enjoy it. Uh, so I think the short answer, yes, like I'd, I'd love to run it and I'd love to run it for like my family. Um, I, I asked a lot of cryptic questions to my dad throughout the process of this and he's super proud and I would love to run it for him and my, my <laughs> and, and like different uh, members of my family. But I also want to run other adventures in here. Like there's nothing, there's nothing like reading yours and being like writing yours and then reading somebody else's work in here and going, oh my gosh, that's so cool the night of the remembered, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then you flip the page and you see Aaron's adventure, like, whoa, like, what is that art piece? It's so different from the last adventure. And it's, you just get excited. And so, yes, and. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now I want to see the, uh, I mean, everybody's streaming their their playthroughs uh, of, of everything, but now I want... Mm-hmm. Your family playing this adventure for the first time, like I feel like there would be nothing but smiles and cheers as well as dramatic moments. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. My dad would probably be vaping in the background. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, now I want it more than ever. Your dad's the big show. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, what about you, Felice? Are you going to run yours? Oh no, because because exactly what we were talking about earlier, like. It's a, we're creating these situations, not so much these stories. So like, I just, I want to like watch a million people playing and see how they like, how, how they differ. Um, and I, and I don't, if, if I were to run my own adventure, I feel like I might either have like, have given up the control so entirely, I'd be so zen about it that I'm like, I don't care. Like do whatever you want. I'm not going to DM this. I'm, it's all up to you. Um, you know? So, but, but what Justice said though, about like flipping the pages and being like, I want to run that. I want to run that. I want like, it, it's, it's, it's so true. They're so like every single adventure is really, really juicy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we've talked about it a little bit about how uh, Ajit and Wes set up the the whole idea of the Radiant Citadel and how you could go to all of these different things. Like, I, that's what I'm the most excited about is seeing people create full campaigns uh, on you know just on the adventure and the settings of each individual one or as a whole and weaving. You know, it almost feels uh, uh, similar to some of what I love about the cosmic. Um, Marvel movies, right? Where it's like you could just go to anywhere and it's completely fantastical. It doesn't even really make sense, but it's so fun to to delve into these different, uh, uh, you know, shards of reality with it. I think it's going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. We do. Yeah, mul- multiverse is, is getting to be a big, like, thing. <laughs> I think, like, we're at the point now in, like, like cinema where you have everything everywhere all at once, which was incredible. You have like Dr. Strange, you have all, all these like properties where like, I think people are multiverse is going to be like a household term in yeah. five years. Spider-verse. And, yeah. Spider-verse. <laughs> and, and yeah, just the idea that like, I think people are going to get really comfortable with like taking the person they like playing and just, you know, right. I'm in Ebron now. Uh, I'm leaving Ebron. I'm going here. Like, well, and what's fascinating about that idea. And I don't think I've ever, said it on here before, but I think D&D is the multiverse. Not, not in the lore sense of like the D&D multiverse, but you literally are going into another world with four or five of your friends for a few hours. And then you'll, the next day you could have a completely different character that's a completely different version of yourself in a completely different story. And we as D&D gamers and players just are like, yeah, that's just my week. That's just what my life is. But that's not true for people who don't play this game, right? They're not constantly shifting their entire 
worldview based on the stories and the peoples that they're hanging out with any given day. Uh, so in some way, we're already in the multiverse. Oh, then you're right. Hot take. Hot take. From Greg Tito. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe but that's what yes. we, we did it. Maybe by getting D&D to be so popular, we're the ones who created this whole, you know, multiverse craze. Yes. All right. The problem with, the, with, with, with Zoom calls is that you can't drop the mic. Like, it's <laughs> slam, like, you can, slam the laptop. Like, yeah, unscrew. Yeah, Bam! Laptop, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a good tactic from the Real Housewives when on the reunions when they were virtual. That. Anyway, they would that's actually awesome. like slam their laptops um, down. That's a completely different shard of reality. See, <laughs> that the happens. Multiverse. That's the multiverse that I am in right now. <laughs> I'm in Potomac somehow. It was actually Atlanta, but whatever. Close, but my bad. East East Coast. Um, um, do you guys think reality television is good? <laughs> <laughs> it's an escape, no the same as no. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> no comment. Excited for Stranger Things season four. Me too. However, yeah. we're, we're gonna we're gonna see the finale of the courtship tomorrow, so that's pretty exciting. So yeah, nice. yeah, absolutely. There you go. Excellent. Okay. Well, it has been wonderful talking to both of you about you know this creative process, about bringing these adventures to life. I can't wait for people to uh, be able to jump in. Uh, we announced that it is now July 19th when people will be able to uh, experience Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel. Uh, so we got a, a couple more weeks to get people excited and hyped for it, which I think is, is only a good thing. So uh, exciting for that. Uh, uh, Felice, how can people find out about uh, the projects you're doing and uh, uh, some of your work on on Life is Strange? Sure, um, Life is Strange: True Colors is uh, is out um, on all uh, all platforms, and um, my Twitter is deck nine underscore Felice. And Justice, what about you? Uh, I am on the Twitterverse at Justice <laughs> Armand, <laughs> uh, where I talk about D and D stuff. Which is very appropriate now. Yes. Sweet. And cooking. Yes. And cooking. Food, food pictures. And mm. food pics. We've yeah. got to get that, uh, that the, on the books. We'll have it make it happen. I'll bring it into the office. Sweet. That'll mm. be fun. My mouth is watering already. <laughs> uh, excellent. Well, again, can't wait for Journeys to the Radiant Citadel. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, you two are awesome. Indeed. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. What wonderful people, creative storytellers. Uh, I just, as always, when I speak to people like this, I just get so inspired and want to run their adventures. I know. And you know what? I just love how excited D&D creators are mm-hmm. to share each other's work, too. Yes. Like, they're just, they're like each other's best supporters. Which I just, I just love it. I just, I just love this community. I love the people in it. Me too. I saw this uh, very funny comic meme today on Twitter where it was the artist community and it was two people and one person says like, here, I really love your artwork. Here's $10. And then the next frame is to the other, the opposite way. Oh, I really love your artwork. Here's $10. And then oh. it basically just goes back and forth. <laughs> <the whole time. laughs> and that is to a certain extent, we, we, we do buy into each other's, uh, you know, dreams and, and, and make them a reality for each other. We lift each other up. Yes. We lift this, each other all about wonderful well uh thank you for listening as always uh welcome to dragon talk is coming out this year 
you'll get to see some of the us lifting up in real time uh, in that book, as well as uh, hearing about the history of um, the D&D community and its growth over the years. We'll, maybe we can even start dropping the pre-order link into our show notes. We can start doing that now, right? Or do we want to hold on to that? Well, we I mean, we could. I've, I pre-ordered it. <laughs> I pre-ordered like 15 of them uh, uh, forever. But we'll, we'll, we'll get it up there. We want to we want to make do it with a big splash with the yeah, cover. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll wait go. for that. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, but we are excited uh, for that. And uh, you can find out about um, our, all of our work. I'm at Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. And what about you? I'm at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. And I will also say you should definitely follow Greg because one of your posts recently made me laugh so hard when you had all your minis out <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to organize them. I have a label maker. And the, the label maker was propped up in the background. <laughs> like, that's so nerdy. I love it. Like what? not the minis, not the D&D. The label maker is what I was like, what a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just love that it was like propped up there like I'm coming for you, Mr. Beholder. Yeah. <laughs> you shall go in the bin labeled Beholder. I almost did that as the <laughs> caption as being like the label maker is coming for you. It's like it's like, it's stalking you as <laughs> it was. It's like a big a big monster now. Stat him up, Greg. Stat well, up the label maker. I have not actually done any organizing, so uh, it it was not a self-fulfilling prophecy yet. Well, good, because now we get to just see more funny pictures of (laughs) label maker trying to wrangle. uh, I almost sent a picture to Bart because I have the bin of minis that he gave to me. Oh, did he When you guys were clearing out your garage. There's another bin. (laughs) Did he tell you? I was kind of like, nah, I didn't actually open the previous bin that you had given me yet, so I feel like taking, okay, fine, give it to me. I'm thinking about putting a few in, in like our little free library to oh, see. That's a if, smart idea. You know, I I've been putting been putting some D and D stickers in there, and get really excited when I see these little kids walking off with them. I love so that. Yeah, maybe put them in there. some minis. That's a really smart idea. Maybe I'll just start putting them. Maybe out are you going to come trees around my house? And <laughs> I know, creating you know, like, like panoramas. He, Yes, I love I love that when people make like little fairy villages around their house. Why yeah. not just make some? Oh, that could be a fun weekend project. I mean, we literally have enough where everybody in West Seattle could make their own <laughs> monster village. If you you're in the D and D minute, if you're you in the D and D you're in the West Seattle neighborhood, let me know. We will. Um, I'll I'll give you a handful of minis. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so great. Well, one of those minis I uh, I found that I was excited to show you was a tabaxi. Oh, no way. Yeah, a tabaxi fighter. Maybe that'll be my my uh, version of what uh, Daryl Two Shoes looks like. Oh. But continuing on this story, Drunky is in the middle of a extremely large fight uh, against a humongous doppelganger in its true form. So it's got this bulbous, uh, awful, almost Stay puff Marshmallow-like uh, uh, consistency. And the loyal order of mages and protectors has been uh, riding griffins, trying to destroy this creature before it rampages any farther in water deep. One of them crash landed. You got their wand of wonder, and I've been trying to use that to defeat the uh, large doppelganger here. 
Um, and you were successful in casting darkness upon its face, and it became disoriented. It doesn't know uh, which direction the uh, its enemies are coming from. And then you see Balthazar, your gnomish friend who tried to impress you to join the Loyal Order of Magus and Protectors uh, uh, many sessions ago. Um, he said, oh, everyone, light up! We're gonna go one final attack uh, on to this monster. Go! And he gives the order, and you see everyone, uh, uh, all of the the mages. They're all strange looking. Some of them have robes. Some of them have funny hats. Some of them have uh, uh, staves. Some of them have wands. And they're all pointing. Um, almost, you know, a dozen griffins with D and D wizards pointing at this doppelganger, and they all. Shoot out uh, various things. Most of them fireballs, sometimes magic missiles. Oh my uh, god! What a sight to behold when it's in this disoriented state, and they all smash up against it and do massive amounts of oh my damage. Whoa, wow! I rolled uh, six 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 four four uh, for damage, and that is enough, actually. <gasps> Yay! So the doppelganger uh, gets all of these explosions kind of shoot all around it and it teeters and it starts to fall. And as you see it falling, oh, you look, it looks like it is going to fall directly onto the wagon of hay in which no. Daryl is. I cast Featherfall. You cast Featherfall on the doppelganger? Do yes. you have Featherfall prepared? Yes. <laughs> didn't you tell me you didn't have any spell slots left? What do you remember? <laughs> That's why I was giving you wands, dude. Like, oh, that was really sweet of you. Yeah. I'm sorry, I got confused with my um, pl- my plasmoid warlock from my Spelljammer game. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't I don't. I mean, you I do maybe- not. I, well, okay, let's say that Drunky says... I cast Featherfall, and literally nothing happens. <laughs> All right. Uh, make me a performance check. Let's see if anyone hears you say that. I cast Featherfall. Oh, 13. 13. Um, let me see if Balthazar is able to hear. Yeah, he got a 19 on the die for perception, so... He is able to hear you. He said, Father, fall. Why we want it to die? He's and gonna fall on my brother because of his high perception roll. He sees you pointing towards the limp body of Daryl in that thing, and you see him make a split decision. He kind of uh, kicks his heels into the griffin, and he shows to fly down. And this is all happening as this this doppelganger is teetering and falling. So there's like a little bit of balance, slow motion thing. But now it is it's falling. No, and the he griffin, has to be careful. The griffin is 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 going down to try to uh, save it, and we will see what happens next time. Feather fall would have been easier. <laughs> I don't have it prepared either. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. What's going to happen? I don't know. But I will say Daryl is kind of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think so? He's in Kind of holding me back, though. <laughs>